Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 292. My name is Brando. Another episode you can watch on Zoom if you would like. You get to see my makeshift background. But we get to see Timothy White, his his office, which very looks very pristine and clean. Oh wait, I didn't realize. <laughs> we need oh, to straighten up a bit. Your exercise ball. Sorry. <laughs> it looks motorcycles. Like... Ooh, wow, look at that. Anyway. Anyway, Timothy White, welcome to uh, Appetite for Distortion. Thanks for, for coming on today. Thank you, Brandon. Where are you now, if you don't mind me uh, asking? Where are you located? Unless it's a secret place uh, it is a secret place it's underground in pennsylvania it's uh it's about a mile underground okay i like that <laughs> no i'm uh, i'm in la um i'm in my garage um since okay. COVID, uh, this is where i've been so okay you know that's actually a pretty good segue to why i wanted to you know just to get into our conversation because you've just you've you've shot everybody that if you name a celebrity you've taken their photograph. It just, it seems like that. If you go to your website, you know, timothywhite.com, very, very easy to find, you know, every single one famous from Arnold Schwarzenegger to, well, Axl Rose, you know, that's hence why we're you're, you're here today. Uh, but when the pandemic hit, you know, as you see me and why you see my background, I've been, as I, I try to keep that GNR theme, I've been feel, feel, feeling my quarantine because I'm normally into the serpentine. It's not that funny. I shouldn't have repeated it. Normally, thank you. I'm normally in a studio in Tribeca for, for iHeart. I, I go back there every now and then, but for the most part, I got a studio here, uh, apartment, um, not studio apartment, I got a studio here in my apartment in Queens. So what about for you being a photographer where you're so used to not just going to concerts and, but you're, to being you know kind of very close to people, getting up front and in their face, how is the, how is your uh, job change and how do you think the, Maybe the photography uh, field as a whole, I guess, has yeah. changed. Yeah, big well, I mean, right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's multiple things there, and that um, you know, I had big studios in New York when I was in New York. Since I moved to LA, had a big studio here, which I let go of uh, the beginning of COVID, and um, and put it into a different kind of facility, and um, and moved into my garage. Um, I've got galleries um, in New York, uh, the Morrison Hotel Gallery in New York. LA and Maui and all of a sudden they were closed and so that was a whole different kind of experience we did a lot of activations and openings exhibition openings and you know all of a sudden that changed all the the, the mingling and the and the the party so um you know but we we focused down we got really creative um you know created an e-commerce business um did some live streaming and a lot of uh, online stuff online exhibitions and whatnot and have actually grown the gallery business and then relative to photography, you know, and shooting pictures, um, you know, I, there's been shoots. Um, you, you start with a mask. Um, it's just sort of not the nature of a shoot though. You know, you kind of, after a while you start to engage in a different way and, and especially the way 
I engage with um, with my subjects, it sort of doesn't really work like that. So um, it's, you know, it's different. We're learning. What is your style? As someone who's just, I'm a novice, I'm not going to be uh, pretend to be one of those, uh, these Instagram photographers. You know, if I take a, a nice picture, it's on accident. But how, what, what is your style? Like, how would you describe your style as a, a professional, legendary professional photographer? I, I mean, I guess I, I said it like that because rather than my creative compositional style, which is a whole nother discussion or my, my point of view or my vision, I think when I, what I was more referring to is my, my interactive style with subjects and how I... Sure, that's what I mean too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean too. So is it is it different? Because you know, all of your photographs, you can see somebody really up close, or, you know, or really far back. So, I mean, is it just limiting the amount of, or limiting your shots? Is that what you mean? Like maybe affecting... No, no, no. I mean, I, I think, in, no, I, guess, I think my point was that by nature, I'm about a certain sort of connection and interaction and something that is really open and... Um, uh, my, my creativity has to do with, with the way we connect and, and eventually collaborate. And it, it's, it has to do with my personality and it has to do with that is my stock and trade. And that really is the thing that I'm better at than I am the technical side of photography, even though I'm a technical photographer. So I think what built my career and what made it work was my ability to connect with people. And that is just part of it. So with that said, the new world that we're in um you know there is something between us that's a little bit different but it's hard for me to to actually uh, separate it uh, with a mask and without touching and without like you know getting in with people so you know it is what it is and you hope people are vaxxed and safe and we do what we got to do the best we can do exactly exactly but let's maybe let's talk about times that you know simpler times before there was a global pandemic you know we were talking off air a little bit about uh, obviously, Appetite for Distortion, Guns N' Roses themed. You have some of the most iconic photos of Axl Rose and, and Guns N' Roses. I believe you did their, their first Rolling Stone cover, you said, right? Yep. So I guess I would love to know your style, your, you know, your personality, which is really beaming right away. We've only been speaking for a few minutes and I can, I don't know, I can see I'm not a model, but now I just feel like, I don't know, do I need to now put the heart of the ocean around me. Sorry, I was saying I'm getting a little. No, too- but I think I think you may need a new headshot, Brandon. We may need to talk about that. Okay, sounds good. But I, I want to know how you handled Guns and Roses back then because that was a cert- that was a different kind of, you know, that was a bandemic. Sorry, I was that was also a band a bad uh, joke. But you know, G and R back then were dangerous, and you you got close to that danger, right? Yeah, it's true. You know, you use the word handle. I would definitely have to use the same <laughs> word. Um, um, you know, I was hired, you know, this is the first, the, the, the two shoots I did with GNR were in 1988. And um, um, I wouldn't say it was the height of my career, but I was definitely on an uphill trajectory. And, um, and I was confident in my approach and my, what I was doing. So and excited and extremely passionate about it. So back and forth to LA, my studio was in New York, back and forth to LA twice a month. All my assignments were here, um, shooting for Rolling Stone, shooting for different magazines, doing lots of different kinds of work and got a phone call from Rolling Stone to shoot this band called Guns N' Roses that I'd heard about being in LA, staying at the Sunset Marquee Hotel, you know, knowing the strip, uh, going to to all the venues, um, had a sense of who they were, 
but they hadn't really broken yet at, at that level. It was local, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't global. Um, and I was like, cool. And I had been driving by this liquor store at night on uh, Wilcox and Santa Monica Boulevard for years. And there was all this great neon and it was very colorful. And I'm always about, I can make a picture anywhere, just sit on the curb. It's all about light, lens, intent, your attitude. You know, it's like, I can really make a picture anywhere under any circumstances, which has really given me a lot of um, creative flexibility in my career because, you know, if you, if you count on the sun and it rains, you know, if, if you have too many expectations, you know, you'll, you'll fuck it up. So it's better to just be open. Like I can work if it rains, I can work if it's sunny, I can work in whatever conditions. And so, you know, I had this, this sense of that corner and what I could do there. And so I had them meet me on the corner. And at the time, I remember I had a 61 Cadillac. I just beat up 61 Cadillac. Um, and I brought that to the shoot and I actually did pictures with the Cadillac and the guys too, but we never used it for anything. But anyway, this was for- uh, And how uh, old were you at the time? 32. Okay. 32, I guess. All right. Yeah, 32. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to monopolize the conversation. Interrupt whenever you, whenever you need. But so this is um, your conversation. I just like uh, getting the the picture of like, okay, what you know, I want everyone to realize, like, okay, where was I at thirty two, and but, you, you're with Guns N' Roses. So I think, yeah, it's just, and, I, and I'm at the beginning of my career. It's starting to happen for me, you know. And and I realize that this may not be, you know, the biggest band of the era but they were hip and they were cool and I knew it. And, and it was you know, something I wanted to do. But more importantly, I was developing my relationship with Rolling Stone Magazine, which was the, the bar, you know, which was the benchmark for where you wanted to be as, as a photographer of my ilk at that, at that time. And, and so here's an opportunity to shoot this band. And it was for a section they called Random Notes. I don't, I don't even know, I haven't looked at Rolling Stone in a long time, pardon me, um, if they still have it. But it was, it was where, it was the smaller picture in a, in a note, period in the beginning of the magazine. It wasn't a full feature. And so it was for opportunities for publicity or whatever for a, a band or a, an, a, a whatever, whatever musician um, to kind of get a little thing said about them. And so for a young photographer, that's how you got involved in the magazine. You didn't get to shoot editorial features. You didn't get to shoot the cover first, right? The beginning. And it worked your way up. I get it. So it was Rolling Stone's first, I mean, excuse me, it was Guns N' Roses' first Rolling Stone piece. And it was an early piece for me in Rolling Stone. So it was a small little picture, but you know, I got this band and they met me on the corner and, and they were cool. I mean, they were malleable. They were, I could, I could get them to do what I wanted them to do given the picture I was showing them that I was trying to take. And it was this filthy, you know, garbage can on the corner and a, and a lamppost and whatever. And I got on the ground in the middle of Santa Monica Boulevard and got a low angle and, and did some great, pictures of the guys and all of that color and neon it, it just worked and they certainly were colorful in, in both literally and figuratively um anything specific you remember you know that you uh because they say a picture is worth a thousand words well here's kind of like the opportunity to be you know do you remember anything that stood out of you know izzy's behavior or was that was axel late to the shoot you know anything that no i remember izzy being a little kind of out there I, I i remember um um i'm sorry what's his name with the, the, the drummer oh steven adler 
Steve, I remember Stephen being like really into it, you know, and not <laughs> everybody else trying to be a little too cool about it. But look at they were cool, you know, they, that's who they were. And I got a real sense of what a tight band they were. That was really clear, you know, that they these guys had gone through some shit together. So, um, you know, it, it was it was a good moment for me. I got my picture. Um, I'm always about. I work really fast and I kind of keep everybody distracted and try a lot of different things. And if they're not moving around, then I'm moving around, but we're always trying to do something to keep them focused on me. And I'm talking to them the whole time and, and um, kind of changing it up to get as much variety as I can. So I walked away from it and, you know, I felt really good about the picture and it ran. Um, and now that picture, you know, is, is really a major moment. How long did that shoot take? Do you think? You know, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, you're bringing it back. I didn't prepare for this, uh, this interview. So now that I'm thinking about it, I think they, I did wait around a little bit for that. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, all show up and, uh, and get it together. But yeah, not, not too long, you know, maybe, I don't know, hour and a half, maybe an hour, you know, maybe. In GNR time in 19. In GNR time. Yeah. Naturally. So, you know, so. <laughs> So I, I think the story, you know, you mentioned is that I shot their first Rolling Stone cover. So that was, that was six months later in the same year in 88. And in that six months, they became a global phenomenon. You know, Appetite for Destruction came out and it was, you know, MTV fucking mind blowing. You know? So take us through, I guess, your viewpoint, because you, you painted a great picture of, you know, you're still young in the industry. You're making your way. You're obviously, you're, you're credible. You're getting on Rolling Stone, trying to make your mark there. There's this new band that's that's kind of cool on the rise, but they're not the Guns N' Roses we know of yet. And you take the picture, and you probably move on to the next gig, the next shoot, the next artist, right? And well, you, you forget yes. about it? So how? Yeah, I no, no, no. Yes, that's true, but the picture was good, and I knew it. And and I knew who, that these guys were around for a bit. Who knew that it was going to blow up the way it did? Okay. But I knew that they were an important piece of, of music uh, history, or at least the beginning of it for me. And yeah, so it immediately went into my portfolio, you know, that I was showing around, which, you know, at the time it was like every job, everything that I had to come through with something great that, that expanded my repertoire, expanded my portfolio so that I could show it around and get work. And so it was, it was an important picture for me, even though it wasn't as important as it was about to be, you know, six months later. Right. Okay. So then it was, it's obviously a great photo like it's just aesthetically you know whether they turned out to be guns and roses or just a, a no-name band you would see the decline of western civilization you know part two or like one of those bands that never made it but when did you like start to see it's like holding on to a rookie card or something like oh i like this player and then like wait a minute like he's on a home run tear he's making the all-star game like were you kind of like watching reading the paper every day like whoa like i'm seeing this band explode like you know, were people contacting you that weren't contacting you before, you know, maybe that were opening? No, I mean, look, they, they, that's a short six months is a really short period of time, right? And sure, I'm trying to capture that six months if I can. Yeah, I, I think what happened for me was all of a sudden, I mean, look at MTV and, the, and music videos at the time were, you know, were it. And that was a really powerful album. And that was a really powerful group of, of music videos. And when that blew up, um, I mean, I saw, you know, well, I was the guy who shot them before that kind of thing, you know, and so, and the picture was good. It wasn't a throwaway picture. It was a solid photo in my, in my archive and, and for my career at the time. 
So I think it was more that recognition of, oh, look at, you know, these guys are blowing up and, and I mean, come on, they were cool. You know, it was at that moment, they were, they were the shit. It was dangerous. It was, it was Hollywood. It was, you know, it was loud. <laughs> it was rude. It was, you know, it was, I mean, freaking slash and those, and those solo, I mean, the whole thing was just sort of over the top. And so I had my little piece, my little connection to that. You know, so now we get to the second connection. How did that come about? What did they say that you had? We like this guy the first time. Let's get him again. How did you get? Uh, no, I, think, I think it was Rolling Stone. I don't I don't believe they they had a say. Frankly, my sense was that the the group couldn't have a consensus on anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, they, they were they were definitely, uh, you know, all independent uh, animals. Um, now, I, I think, you know, a lot happened in those six months for me in my career as well. And um, it, it grew and my relationship with Rolling Stone grew. And um, it was sort of on that, that rise anyway. Um, but, cause within the year, you know, I had a cover contract with Rolling Stone, but, um, but this was a, a cover. It wasn't the first cover that I'd had. So I'm, I'd have to really look into my files and see where okay. that first cover came from. And was it, was it during those six months or was it just before and I happened to do a random notes photo okay. in between? I, I don't know, but okay. um, but Rolling Stone called me back and said, hey, you know, you shot that band six months ago. You know, you want to do the cover with them? And I was like, fuck yeah. And, <laughs> and so he put me in touch. You know what? I gotta be, I gotta tell you, like at that point, a lot had happened in, the, in that year. And, and all of a sudden I was kind of a hot shot. 80 year was like, 88 was like a big year for me. I did Bon Jovi's uh, New Jersey album cover. I was doing a ton of shit, you know, Keith Richards for magazine covers, that kind of oh. thing. It was, it was a lot happening for me. So this was a big deal. And so they put me and cause the band had blown up so big and they put me in touch with their management and they were performing in, uh, I was in my studios in New York at the time and um, they were performing at Meadowlands in New Jersey. And, uh, and they were like, and I just assumed I'd have them in New York City to do whatever and in my studio or whatever, I've got to do a cover, which is usually clean at that time. It was white was a suggestion, you know, to get a clean cover and then whatever pictures on the inside. So, you know, the plant you, for a Rolling Stone cover, you spend some time with a photographer and you, you know, you, you do what's necessary to get the shots. Um, and the management said to me, look at, um, these guys are like, they're wild. And there's no way we are letting them into New York city to do this photo shoot with you. because They're not going to make it back in time for the, for the show, you know, like the next day. So like, uh, you know, anything can happen. And I was like, okay, well that really restricts me. That's really a problem. Now what the fuck am I going to do? You know? And so, and they were staying at like, I don't know, like the Marriott, you know, like in, in New Jersey, like next to the Meadowlands. And um, so I got in touch with those people. I went out there and kind of scouted and, and got in touch with them to allow me to use their banquet room and where I can set up a studio. And, but I had to do something else and figure out what was I going to do to make this really cool with like the coolest band of the moment, you know? And I'm like, their whole dress and, you know, their tattoos. I just had this like thing about, you know, this is, this has got to be hipper than hip, you know? So I'm a Jersey guy. So like, I've got this sense of what's hip and what's not in New Jersey in a way. And at the time, 
Asbury Park was a dead city, which it's not now, but it was a dead city as a rollover from the 70s. And, and it, you know, it was really desolate, but there was the Stone Pony and there was a bar called Mrs. J's, which was a biker bar on the deserted beachfront. Um, and it was, it, it was a real deal. It was a, it was a hardcore biker bar. And I was like, perfect. This is the place to, to take the guys. And so I've talked them into, we'll do this studio shoot in the banquet room at the hotel. And then I'll have transportation together and we'll go down to Asbury and we'll do this thing. I didn't actually tell them Asbury. Maybe I did. I don't think they paid attention or cared anyway. They were sort of with me for the shoot. It was their Rolling Stone cover. They were into it. Sort of, you know. All right. And um, they came in and, you know, we had met before, obviously, just a few months before. So there was an exchange of greetings or whatnot. And I start to get into the cover. But it's not, you know, it wasn't easy to wrangle these guys together. It was like being in a room full of monkeys, you know, <laughs> and trying to, <laughs> trying to get them. You know, I'm all about, you know, my, my MO as a photographer is my ability to, as I said, to connect with people and to get them to follow me. Maybe it's my passion, maybe it's my whatever, but to, to, to follow my lead and do what I want them to do. But even though I had them within this banquet room and within like a white seamless, so it was definitely a box, um, it still was a wrangle. <laughs> I got them. We did a bunch of things together, you know, trying to get the band tight together and to do something that's going to fit on the cover with five guys. Um, and you know what? We, we, I, I should actually share screens with you because I have a contact sheet right on my desktop. Do you okay. want me to do that? Can we do that? Yeah, I think we can. You want to, do you need to share with me? Uh, one participant, multiple participants can share simultaneously. So I, I think I gave you access to that. Okay. So let's see if that works. Yeah. So here. Okay. All right. So okay. this is. Wow. The actual contact sheet from, from that photo shoot. Um, and, and, you know, you can kind of tell by the energy. <laughs> who was doing what and where and, you know, how late they were up the night before versus, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what they were like when they walked in with me. But obviously this, this was actually um, the cover right here. Okay. The center. And this was one of my choices up at the top of my TW, but this is back from 88. Um, so I don't know if you want to leave it there or, or close. No, it. you talk over it. I like it. And, and, okay. and you know, leave so, it over. You know, I'm, I'm making a Rolling Stone cover, man. The lighting's got to be good. You know, I'm an upper echelon photographer. There's only a handful of people who get to shoot Rolling Stone covers. So, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thrilled and I'm, you know, really on my game and, you know, the lighting's great. And, and, but, you know, getting five guys together isn't easy, especially guys who are cooler than cool. Like how do you get them to like lean on each other or, or compose themselves in a way that really works, you know, within, again, within the confines in the box of a, of a white, you know, square. Sure. But I did, <laughs> it wasn't easy, but I did. And so we got this. Were there yeah. any, um, cause I, I got some great questions because yeah, I'm the one who hosts a, a Guns N' Roses theme podcast, but my listeners are just way smarter than I am and know all the details and things that may or may not happen, rumors and things. So this was uh, this is from Mark. Uh, he believes this was because Raz Q. I don't know if you know the name Raz Q. He hey. 
he yeah he was the, the manager for LA Guns and he got uh, Axel to be in LA Guns temporarily and he was kind of like at ground zero of GNR was friends with him back in the in uh, in the early days. So uh, what Mark says and what I guess it's according to Raz because he Raz's book that Axel supposedly OD'd before or after the shoot. Like, is that something that you're this shoot? This shoot? You know, I, you know, it's that's not my sort of. Uh, my thing to not that I'm trying to be coy, but you know, I don't know shit, you know, and I'm in my own world and I'm doing my thing. So, you know, we were all fucked up in some way or another, whether it be at that moment before or after, you know, I don't know, but I, I don't, I don't know that rumor being true. Um, okay. uh, again, again, they were ragged <laughs> on the shoot and the way it ended up, you know, was, um, was rough. But so this began in the afternoon and obviously I was there early in the day setting up, trying to tweak it, make sure everything was right. It wasn't in my studio. I didn't have the control. I'm in a banquet room at a hotel, you know, so I I was there for hours before they showed up. And then they they finally strolled in and were corralled by by their handlers and, and got them in this room. What was the best tactic, you know, saying just just sit here. For five minutes, we'll go out for McDonald's. After, do they have to like shake keys in front of them like a cat? Like, like what was the best? You know, again, I have my way. Whether whatever it is that that is part of my bag of tricks that that I use to get people to do things. Um, whether it's um, you know talking a little bit about everything that I don't know about, or or a wink, or or a, you know a, a smile, or whatever it is, you know that that gets me that that I drag this connection from people and get them to focus on me and the camera, you know, look at granted, it's your first Rolling Stone cover. If you're not focused on this, you know, you should be. But on the other hand, they're Guns N' Roses. They don't give a shit about anything, you know? And and yeah. they're ragged, like I said, both, you know, physically as well as, as uh, you know, mentally, I guess, or whatever. They, they were, uh, you know, it wasn't an easy bunch to wrangle. How how long did this shoot take? This portion of the shoot, I don't know, maybe maybe an hour or so. You know, again, I'm so set up that it's really about fitting pieces together, getting composition that can work for the cover and fit on the cover with I gotta think about, you know, cover lines, type, et cetera, et cetera, how how I have enough room for it, um, as well as a composition that sort of makes sense. Um, you know, making it work within the confines of the, the lighting structure I'd set up, et cetera. Um, you know, it's pretty clean and kind of boring. It's on white. So it's got to be, I somehow need to get something to happen. So you want these guys to do something, but you still got to get them confined within the context of your, your, um, the format of your camera, you know, balance. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's a juggle for sure. You know, did any of them bring, bring any like any ideas? Where it was like, where it was the slash go? What if I hold my hands like this? And Stephen's like, what if I'm on one leg? And I, I'm being silly, of course. Well, you know, Stephen, you can tell Stephen was enthusiastic. You know, everybody <laughs> else was too cool. You know, kind of thing. Um, that, that I wouldn't say that they were uncooperative. You know, that's not it. It was yeah. just that you know they were too cool to to be treated a certain way. But I mean, look at the one shot to the right of of the cover shot. I mean, look at Axel's smirk and, you know, I mean, 
but you have to also realize I've got five subjects and each one has to look at, this is way before Photoshop and pieces think, piecing things together know. and whatever, right? So, so this has got, I've got to get it in one picture. I've got to get all five of them to look good and give me something and then really make it a powerful image for the cover. So, you know, it's a lot and, and you're sitting there and you're just shooting roll after roll of film and you're trying to, you know, I'm, I'm jumping around and doing whatever I got to do to get, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a, a dog, a, a pet toy you know, to get the attention kind of thing, whatever that means, whatever that takes. I like the term, uh, since I have three of them, herding cats. Yeah. Herding, sometimes you got to ch- shake the treats, but even then uh, they don't always pay attention. Shake the treats, use the laser, you know, whatever <laughs> it takes to get them to focus. And frankly, it's also a cover. I want, they need to be all five of them at one time in one shot with, perfect composition and everything all be looking into my camera and be giving me something or the opposite, which is like, you know, mayhem and all of them in a different place, but whatever it is can make for an exciting photograph, but it wasn't easy. And, and you want them, you know, there's some subjects who will be totally cooperative and okay. Yeah, I'll try this. You know, Um, you know, there's a sense of um, bad boy, not machismo, that's a bad word, but, but like, you know, kind of bad boy, you know, no, I don't do that. That's not, you know, that's not what I do. You know, here, lean on each other, you know, give each other a big group hug. You know, that wasn't going to work with Guns N' Roses. (laughs) Plus it wasn't what I was trying to convey for the cover. These were, these are the bad boys of rock and roll at this moment, you know. Imagine telling Guns N' Roses in 1988, like all jump at the same time. Exactly. (laughs) Dan Halen? Absolutely, would have done whatever, but that's that's not, not Guns N' Roses. That's true. Uh, another question I got, I'm not sure if you did this uh, photograph, but uh, Ken Begora from New Jersey, I believe. Actually, no, I think he's from Long Island. Uh, sorry, Ken. He um, Did you do the photo shoot that caused them to be late for the 1991 NASA Coliseum show? No. Okay, it wasn't them, because it's another cover of Rolling Stone, but Matt Sorum's in the band at the time. Yeah. And second cover. And I'm actually, you know, I'm a friend of Matt's and I, I know Matt now, but I was not together with Matt in the band. I did two photo shoots with Guns N' Roses. It was this one year all within six months of each other. So what about those pictures of, of Axel that you, you, you took where he's just looking all. Oh, wait. So there's more. Okay. Well, right. actually, actually, I don't have it with me, but there's a, I don't have it on my screen right now, but there's a, there's a, there's lots of, obviously there's probably a few hundred images um from the cover shoot this setup mm-hmm. um and there's a great one where they're all giving me the finger uh, <laughs> which you know should have been the cover but but wasn't are you allowed to and, and excuse my just ignorance on it are you allowed to release these as, as yours like later on you know and, and uh i own this material i'm it's copyrighted cool. material and i and i sell it in galleries around the world okay. you know, that kind of thing i mean you know, relative selling, I don't know what you mean, selling it as art, selling it as prints, yes, and publish, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know if the one with them all giving the middle finger is out there. Um, I don't think it's out there, but, you know, again, I, so, okay, so with what I do, you know, I shoot a lot. I mean, back then, you know, it's film, so it wasn't like somebody was watching me, so I'm, I'm shooting as much as I possibly can, Um and nobody's looking at a screen or anything. No one sees this until I edit it and give it to them, but it's analog, you know, now it's digital. So this would need to be scanned. And so there's hundreds and hundreds of frames. Rolling Stone picks one 
for the cover. They pick two or three for the inside and, and that's it. That's all the world sees unless I dig it out of my archive and, and scan it. So there are images that are out there and most of it has been um, um, presented in galleries and exhibitions and such. Um, okay. Because it's just but, fast. But not the whole shoot by any means. Okay. Because so I, I, I don't think that picture, sorry, pardon me. I don't think that picture is out there. Okay. I mean, that, I was using that as an example because I always find that fascinating. Yeah, we, we see that one picture, whether it's, you know, the inside or it's the cover, and that's what's ingrained in our brains. And, like, you you see their faces in, in that one position, but just from the whole shoot, it can just tell an entirely different story or stories. So I always just find that. And the only one who knows those stories are you because you're the only one who, who has seen those. Yeah. So it's uh, I always just find that really you know, interesting because yeah, somebody somebody decided to put that one picture out. Yeah, it's you, but was that perhaps your favorite one? I, I maybe not. You said you you said you wanted the one with the middle fingers. Uh, that might have been. Well, look, it also context changes everything. You know, so at that yeah. nineteen eighty eight, you know, this was the the picture, you know, or whatever. But five years later, ten years later, you know, twenty years later, it, it, the context changes, and all of it. They be they're they're dead. They're alive. They're more famous. They're less famous. You know, you you look at it differently. I'm different. You know, I, yeah. so I, I I'll, I'll pick a different picture today than I would back then. Anyway, that's a good point as well. Uh, uh, I should you know what I should do? I should open up the file and see what I have to actually show. Um, go for it if you're allowed. Yeah, okay. I'm going to shut you off for a second, and, and we can come back to. Um, here while I'm looking, we can talk. Okay. Um, so we did the um, we did the cover shot, which was on white, and I think I did something else. Yeah, I have another picture in that room because I'm always trying to grab something else. So what do I do? That's still clean. That could make a cover, but I'm in a friggin' Ramada Inn in New Jersey. Like there was nothing that really. Um, was exciting or interesting to me or that in my mind at that time fit for Guns N' Roses, you know, so. You, you didn't want to wake them up for like the Continental Breakfast and do, you know, at the Marriott. Well, well, <laughs> you know, given the sensibility I have now, I would have done it in the whole thing in one of their trash rooms at, at the Ronnie, you know what I mean? It's like, I would have done something so different than now, but you know, it was about control too with a group of people that were sort of uncontrollable. So that was kind of an important thing, which, which kept my parameters tight. And in my mind, it was about Mrs. J's bar that I was taking to them, that was taking them to later on. So we finished this shoot and it's like, okay, let's regroup. And we'll meet downstairs. I've got a I've got one 15 passenger van, which was like makeup artist, hairstylist, me, the whole band, my assistants. <laughs> my, they might, my assistants might've been in a separate vehicle, but yeah, they might've been. But we were crowded all of us in this band That's and they're and they're partying and um i get them in this van to drive them down now from the meadowlands to asbury park new jersey is probably i don't know 45 50 miles maybe but to me it was like nothing we're just going down the park right <laughs> like do this it's going to be great to them they were trapped in my, in my van and they weren't happy. <laughs> By the time we got there, they weren't happy. But, and who knows what went on between when we left that, that banquet room for the studio shoot to when I got them in the van. And when I got them in the van, which wasn't, I, I remember it was, it was a problem corralling them and getting them into the van. But when we did, I didn't 
I don't think we showed up to Mrs. J's till like two in the morning. And this was the afternoon when we did the shot. Wow. So somewhere, something happened in that time that, <laughs> that wasn't good for anybody. But, but when I got them in the van, you know, they were a captive audience and I'm just trying to be, you know, cool and on and, you know, keeping them interested in what I'm doing and not thinking, you know, not sitting in the front seat silent and leaving them in the back. But anyway, they were obviously partying. And, and meanwhile, I'm calling because it kept getting delayed. It was one of those like, oh, yeah, well, but be down in a minute. Oh, where's Izzy? <laughs> oh, OK, OK, <laughs> we'll go get Izzy. And then, you know, Axel disappears. It was one of those. And so finally we get them in the van and we're going down there. So in, the whole time I'm calling Mrs. J or whoever the person I was talking to at the bar. And let me back up. This is a, like a this is a hardcore biker bar in a hardcore town that was like dead. And I'm thinking, oh, this is perfect. These guys, it's going to be perfect with the bikers and blah, blah. And it wasn't when I got there at all. It was a <laughs> long mix of Hollywood and Jersey, man. It's just, it didn't work. Okay. But I didn't know that until I got there. <laughs> but I, you know, I had this vision for what it was going to be, you know. And um, so we got, and I'm calling the bar and I'm going, look, it, we're on our way. Don't, you know, and they're like, no, no, we're waiting for you. Don't worry. Like, okay, just, I had this, this idea of them in this bar with all this, stuff going on anyway i show up in this bar and it's like two o'clock in the morning and everybody is fucked up i mean it's two o'clock it's the end of the night in a bar you know i mean everybody's gone they actually there's a, a motorcycle against the the bar and some guy's doing a burnout on the motorcycle inside the bar the place is fucking full of rubber smoke i mean it was <laughs> it was horrible and i walk into this room with all these people who are aware that i'm bringing guns and roses down mm. And it's, this is a small little place. This is not some big whatever. It's, it's like a corner bar. And I walk in and, and they're like accosted with drunken Jersey bikers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, they're the coolest thing. They're, they're used to being kind of in charge was my, my sense, you know, in a way because of who they are. And this was, this was like that. And I just went, oh, fuck, you know. And they had a, like a little room in the back that was disgusting or whatever that they could like be in and have a moment of privacy, but it really wasn't. And they were like, okay, like, let's get this done and get out of here. And they weren't happy how long it took to get to, to Jersey. Were, were they giving them the, the bikers giving them like a hard time or was it like, Oh, guns and roses. Let me buy you a drink. Like, like what was the, with a, with a big slur. Yeah. <laughs> in their voice. <laughs> yeah. All right. At least it was a friendly, you know, a friendly. Uh, yeah. But it was too friendly and it wasn't, who these guys wanted to be you know they, they weren't friendly they were they were pissy at this point <laughs> and not happy not okay. happy either. well you got axel i'm assuming this is the bar that the the pictures of axel are, are, are taken um on the on the bowl table is that the is that where that is or is that another location because i see motorcycles um, in the background let me just see yeah that's what it was the pool table hang on let me just see so that was the cover um, let me share with you again. Okay. I like this. This is why we do Zoom. I should take advantage of this feature more. Ooh. So there's the cover. I'm just trying to see also um, low um, low res, so it'll just pop up for you. Okay. I appreciate you know you taking the time to do that with, uh, with those young chaps. 
So yeah, yeah I mean, there's an actual there's, photo. Okay. So I did singles of each guy. You know, again, I've got the cover already. Now I got to do inside pictures. So Axel being the front man, you know, obviously focus on him. Obviously, Slash was always sort of equal weight, even though Axel was the front man. Slash certainly was a front man in his own right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was singles of everybody as well as group shots of the band. And I mean, you could kind of see a little bit, a hint of who the people were. You know, you kind of, let me just see what I've got uh, here that we can look at. Oh, Slash okay. on the pool table. Um, I mean, you could see the kind of people and whatever, and you could see what, what a dump this place was. And it, like, it wasn't any big deal, you know? It was really just a shitty bar at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, wooden paneling, and you could see bikers all around. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked bit, like but... the ideal place to have this, like you, your brain, you were thinking the right thing was to bring them there. It looks like they belong. Yeah, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. I'm just telling you, all I remember doing, I just remember, I can laugh at myself, and I did at the time, that here I am, this like, you know, I got the hair like Axel at the time. I'm like down to here. And, mm. and uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Axel or Slash, uh, they both have long hair. Um, you know, and I'm this young skinny kid you know from new jersey who's like this photographer and i'm like all excited you know <laughs> like come on people people you know gather around do it right and they're like who the fuck are you you know so it was it was an interesting thing but i managed to get it you know um okay. i wouldn't say it was you know my the shoot i'm most happy about but certainly relative to um who i was shooting was there ever, because I'll go through this in, in radio, There, not everything I do is, you know, talking about Guns N' Roses or, you know, the, the most, uh, you know, glamorous stuff in radio. You got to do things that you don't want to do. But was there ever a point where, because I don't know if I've ever had this, like, is this worth it? I don't know if I want to do this. Like, did that ever happen? Did you ever feel like, you know, maybe this is too dangerous or it, I didn't get that sense from you? talking I, I was you know curious you're just like oh man i'm gonna have stories about this shooting uh, one day you know my, my career is about um creating experiences for me and out of that came a photograph <laughs> so yeah. it was you know this was my way of doing something you know was it the right decision at the time eh, who, you know who's the, who's the judge i didn't feel it um, but it didn't matter, you know, it was, it was, I made something from it and that's what I do. I mean, this was a cockroach on the table and Axel flicking a cockroach at me. And this ended up being the inside picture of the, uh, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know like the cockroach at you. I guess this thought- picture was at, um, an exhibition years ago in Brooklyn called who shot rock. And it was about us. It was about the photographers that, that shoot rock and roll. And, and they had um, like headphones near the picture. So you put headphones on when you look at the picture and it would kind of tell the story. And, and that, was kind of, that was the story of this picture. There was this, he, he was sitting there and letting me take pictures of him. And then he was, like, you could tell by his expression, he's fucking with me, you know? <laughs> and there was this cockroach on the table. And he went to flick it at me. Um, and that ended up being the inside. And it ended up being a story related to it. You know, there's some fan like, hey, do you still have the cockroach? Do you save it? You know, some crazy GNR fan. Sure. Uh, and look at this. This is uh, his Tiger Beat cover. You know, him uh, with the, the Rolling Stone cat house uh, denim cut off shirt draped over, I mean, like a chair, I assume. Yep. The motorcycle in the background. I mean, these are. Uh, but you have to understand something because I'm feeling it. It's coming back to me now this many years later. What? There was tension here. 
okay? okay. They didn't want to be there. And they didn't want to be there with these people and felt it was wrong. And they were like, I mean, I'll never forget, like Izzy coming up to me and going, we're going to get in a fight here. And I was like, no, 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 no. These people are like here for you. Like I, I set this up like this. And they was like, no, no, no. We're going to start the fight. I'm like, no. <laughs> like guys, can we just do, you know, it's a, it's a photo. It's your Rolling Stone cover, man. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, Look at these more. Yeah, I mean, this. Yeah, these are just some context, some bad scanned context. Just, I think just for reference, like here's a band shot. Um, you can't really see it too well, but that's all right. I mean, this is very cool. I appreciate you sharing these on uh, again on the Zoom side. If you listen on just on the podcast side, go to our YouTube channel. Yeah, these are some like rough, like probably by an iPhone, like pictures or something to, to identify what was in the file. Oh, okay. Right. You know, that's why that's the glare and stuff. So like, here's an example of, I was in the bank, in the banquet room, but it was like, okay, I shot the seamless shot. Now let's do some other kind of picture that may still work for a cover. But, you know, again, my, my, my opportunity was so small, both from time, but also, um, um, I, I, you know, wasn't in the right place to do what I thought I needed to do for Rolling Stone. Again, looking back, I could have done the whole thing in Axe's hotel room and it would have been great, better. Any other- You can I mean, tell, you know, they're all, they're all looking different. They're not paying attention to me. They can give a <laughs> I mean, that's the rock and roll thing because people do that on purpose. That I hate when bands, but you could tell all the members are, are clearly looking in opposite directions just to, just to do that. It's like that- uh, that car, if you watch South Park, that Faith Plus One cover when Carbon's yeah. a Christian rock band, it's just some covers remind me of that. But yeah, as I, I keep mean, saying, hurting cats, hurting cats. That's what the yeah, but, is. but some people are into it, you know, some people get it that it's about their image and whatever. And these people are about like my image is irreverence, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so this, these are from obviously that first shoot, not the, not the, uh, Yes, this is outside the uh, liquor store that that first shoot when they, we're they, they weren't going to be famous. You didn't know if they were going to be famous yet, rather. Yeah. Uh, so obviously these happened in a short period of time. Did you ever have another opportunity? Because you obviously went on to have this incredible career to to shoot or work with any of the guys from Guns N' Roses again? No. Okay. No, this was it. Um, Obviously, many other bands, many other things. I also, at some point, you know, I started to do a lot of Hollywood and really um, a lot of movie posters. And mm -hmm. I mean, look at this junk like biker with his arm wrapped around <laughs> Steven. I, mean, I don't know what the fuck is going on there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, top right. I love that. I mean, these, these are just fantastic. They really are. But you said you became friendly. Oh, so I became with, uh, more of a more of a Hollywood photographer. And I was, I was like, you know what? Fucking rock and roll keeps you up too late. Smoky <laughs> assholes. Like, you know, the money's in something else. And, and these people will give me, you know, two hours and they're gone and I get paid more money. What am I doing this for? Why am I staying up all night doing this? No, it wasn't quite like that, but, but I, you know, I, I look back on it and go, you know, oops. I mean, you did it. I mean, it's uh, iconic and I get, I completely get what you're understanding, especially, you know, I can't imagine how hard of a job that is when you're a photographer trying to, to make it. And if you're just going to try to just do music, you know, especially with a lot of bands like that, that are unpredictable. I mean, you want, you're a professional. I mean, again, look how pristine your office is. You, you want to be in a set schedule. You want to know what garage. your garage <laughs> it's, it's a nice garage. You got to see my garage. 
it's a garage in Queens. It's uh speaking of cockroaches, but it's, it's you know, I gotta be honest with you. I'm looking at these now, Brandon. I'm like, well, they're I got their attention, you know. Yeah, doing? look at that. That one photo we're looking at now, it's like that that could be the cover of Saved by the Bell. Like the the new uh the the next generation, Degrassi, the next generation of uh featuring Guns N' Roses. They just look like a bunch of good kids who knew they were all on drugs at the time. <laughs> they all look so like they all look so good. <laughs> so how did you become friendly with uh with Matt Sorum? He's gonna be on the podcast in a couple of weeks for the second um, time. Just you know, through different people, you know, in LA and the music biz, you know, I don't know. I, I forget how we initially met. But, um, you know, he's, we worked together um, last year um, during, during COVID. Um, we did a live streaming 10-hour um, um, festival for my gallery. We had a lot of musicians and Matt got together with um, Slash and, and a number of other people and, and recorded something for, uh, for our live stream. That was kind of great. So we just know each other, you know, my gallery openings at... Um, at the gallery in LA, you know, bring in a lot of people. We do a lot of uh, live stuff as well as DJ related parties and things that are that are thematically related to the exhibitions we're doing. Very cool. So yeah, let me just see what I've got. Here. And while you're doing, and I won't keep you for uh, for too much longer. Uh, seeing all your folders, it's giving me anxiety on your desktop. But obviously, you know where everything is. Uh, do you think Guns N' Roses were the most challenging? Um, like who is the most challenging artist? I don't. I don't want you to say like like, like a bad story about somebody, but as far as maybe I don't have bad stories. You know, it, it's right, not, good, it's not the dynamic that I have with people. Um, What's it, the most um, challenging artist? Then let's use that word. Like, was there was this the most challenging to wrangle them? To you know, and and as you you explained, they weren't bad, but just I, I was curious of like who the most challenging you know person might have been for you. I, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't look at my shoots that way, okay. but I would say that this was a challenge. <laughs> okay. I would, we could leave it at that. That's that work. I would say, you know, these guys were definitely a challenge. Um, I, I think I had more to do with, with who they were than who I was. You know, I, I was a, I was a puppy in my career at the time and I hadn't gotten to a point where um, I felt as in control of my game as I was a little bit later on. Um, look at, you know, one of my, assistants at the time um, was Danny Clinch, who is now, you know, preeminent music photographer. Danny made a decision to go in that direction and, and built this amazing, amazing, unique career. Um, and I decided to go more into Hollywood direction. It fit me. It fit me in a different way. So it wasn't, it wasn't really like I was jokingly saying earlier, you know, it was about money or, or about staying up too late, but it was definitely, I, I felt I fit more into a, something more cinematic than something more music oriented. I still always did music, but it was always at a different level. It was Springsteen, it was Aretha Franklin, it was Ray Charles. It was, it was doing an album cover for someone who was a, a big star because that was sort of the career that I developed, but um, I wasn't shooting every young band anymore. When you, um, I don't, don't even want to say when you look back because you're obviously still very active, but when you think about it today, is there an artist where you, you think to yourself, wow, I was in the room with them and I connected with them and I got a, you know, a piece of, of time with them. Cause you mentioned Aretha Franklin. You, and I said at the All beginning, people. you've every, no, I'm not. insane. Your, your, your resume is just as impressive as anybody's on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, I'm, I'm a really lucky man. Like I, 
you know, I worked really hard, but I had a big career and it, and it, it got to a place where it was, it was, it was legends, you know, it was, it was just all of these, these iconic people. And, and the breadth of the archive, as I look at it is not all of the young happening bands or, or the, the young stars. It was, I built a career that was about the, the bigger names and, you know, every one of them, um, were important, but more than that, I always had butterflies. I still do to this day. You know, I'm not intimidated by somebody, but I'm excited by it, and I'm I'm thrilled to be collaborating with Sidney Poitier or Audrey Hepburn or Robert Mitchum or or Nicole Kidman or Harrison Ford or Brad Pitt or like those are the people I've worked with or Aretha Franklin, Bruce Springsteen, you know, James Brown. Ray wow. Charles, to, to be in their presence, to be able to share something with them, but also to get them to collaborate with me mm. and to listen to, to what I'm trying, what my vision is and what I'm trying to make um, together with them is, um, is kind of cool. It's very cool. And you mentioned Danny Clinch before, who's been on the show. Uh, he does a lot of stuff with Blind Melon and they, they have that documentary out finally, all I can say about uh, Shannon Hoon, is that something you've, you've wanted to do maybe going forward? Do you ever want to do maybe a film about your work to put your photographs to? It's funny you should say it. I have a, I have a meeting tomorrow um, with someone who's trying to put something together. But there's a lot of stuff I've done and a lot of stuff around me. <clears throat> you know, I've got five published books. I'm now working on a memoir. And the memoir um, is, a, is a kind of a different story. But, you know, yeah, there's always room. There's always time. We're still working. I'm still here. Awesome. So what, what else can you, I guess, tell us about that we can uh, look forward to from you? Well, you know, again, I'm, I'm one of the owners of the Morrison Hotel Gallery. And, um, you know, that's something that I'm very focused on. And we represent 125 photographers all in the music space. Danny being a big one, big one, Mick Rock, Bob Gruen. I mean, all of the greats, Lynn Goldsmith. <clears throat> but um, we do a lot of, um, I do produce a lot of special events and I'm working on something now for October, which is, um, it's gonna be a celebration of 1971 um, and the music that, that was created that year. And I mean, it was such a diverse, amazing um, year of music. And um, I'm doing it in conjunction with Sunset Sound, which is a recording studio um, here in LA that um, is historic. I mean, what was produced there from Stairway to Heaven to Janis Joplin's Pearl to to LA Woman by the Doors, to Ringo, to, I mean, to Prince spent six years in that studio before he built Paisley Park. The history, the DNA that's in that studio is unbelievable. And that relationship to that iconic music, to the imagery that represented it by the photographers we represent is an event that I'm putting together. So it'll be a live concert um, as well as, uh, it'll be a live stream, but there'll be a live concert for four, um, portion um, um, with pre-recorded uh, uh, performances intercut in between and shout outs and whatever. Wow. So look wow. forward to that in, in October. I really am. I was getting like goosebumps listening to that. Just yeah, like I mean, I got to tell you something, when I go in the studio, I've been doing a lot lately because we're meetings and it, it's, you know, it's producing an event. So it, it's involved. Um, sure. Every time I walk in the studio, it, it, you can like smell the DNA. <laughs> you can just feel like what went on in there in the last 50 years, 60 years actually. That's amazing. Oh, and, and before it slips my mind, because uh, I know you've done some work with uh, like Mick Jagger, 
Uh, I'm just curious if you you worked with the Rolling Stones, Charlie Watts at all, since uh, it's it's interesting. No, I I did not work with Charlie. I didn't work with the Stones as a group. I worked with Mick separately and Keith separately. Okay, that's that's what I I thought. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Yeah, I think we're going to do a little tribute to Charlie during this event. I think we should, of course. um, um, I wish I had photographed the Stones. Okay, well, everybody else you photographed. So if you want to check out, including the the Axel and the GNR photos, the one that we've we've seen, uh, I appreciate Timothy sharing some ones we haven't seen on this uh, on the Zoom call. Thank you for that. But you can go to timothywhite.com to see all his photos. And I'm assuming any information about the live stream and the, and the concert, any any you know projects you have coming up is going to be on there. Yeah, and MorrisonHotelGallery.com, the galleries, and um, Instagram, Timothy White, and Morrison Hotel Gallery. Amazing. Timothy, thank you so much. This really was an honor. You are a, you are a really fun guest. I got to tell you, uh, this was a fun conversation. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it very much. You got it. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When are you going to see the next one? Who's the next guest? Well, uh, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. security, I'm going home.